We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Abner Maris is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, dad to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Meris, we'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and the man he is today. They chat about topics like the state of boxing, Abner's journey from a kid on the streets to boxing champ, his American dream, sports, music, culture, and family life, being a husband, and even being a girl dad. Listen to On the Hook with Abner Metis wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes in English out on Tuesdays and episodes in Spanish out on Wednesdays. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by my co-host, Nick Filato. Today we are here to break down the New York Giants win over the Washington Redskins on All-22. We're going to break down snaps. We're going to break down players. We're going to break down what Patrick Graham did. There's so many. There's a few examples of just awesome stuff from a coaching standpoint with Patrick Graham. We're also seeing just really good coverages that require communication at that third level that's somehow some way operating at incredibly high level with a mix of new guys in the secondary that are learning a new system for the first time without a normal offseason and have had 
to mix and match in the secondary with Jabril Peppers now coming back and playing. Obviously, he played last game, but he played a very small role. This game, he played almost every snap, which is what we want to see. And just different guys mixing and matching. Ryan Lewis, you know, a player we're going to talk about on this podcast, really just a clutch find by the New York Giants, turning out to be a very clutch find. And they had to mix and match at safety because Colbert was out for this one. And, you know, Julian Love got his reps, but Julian Love isn't the player they've hoped he would be. But it doesn't matter because the communication is so good at that, at that third level, and the coaching has been so good and some great calls, timely calls again, that it really is impressive watching this team on film when you consider the amount of talent they have on defense and what they're doing with it. It's not perfect. There were plays where I saw, in my mind, Kyle Allen miss some reads, and that's going to happen. There's going to be times with the Giants playing heavy zone where there's going to be guys who get open zone, but overwhelmingly, this is a really well-coached team on the defense side of the ball. They're giving the Giants a chance to compete in these games, and I think we'll see it continue against the Eagles this Thursday, and we're going to wrap up this podcast by talking a little defensive Giants defense versus Eagles offense like we did on the last podcast with Giants offense versus Eagles defense, but before we do all that, Nick, I wanted to get your overall takeaways on Patrick Graham's game plan against Kyle Allen and the Washington football team. Yes, the Washington football team. I thought, again, like we've seen almost every week, Patrick Graham has different wrinkles specifically designed to attack the team's offense, which is what you want to see. You want to see a coach that adjusts and doesn't stick to some rigid ideology that, hey, we're going to try to fit these square pegs into this round hole. Now, Patrick Graham is a very adept coach. He's very good at making certain play calls in high leverage situations and using his personnel in a diverse amount of ways. Like Leonard Williams, for instance, in this game. Leonard Williams was an edge rusher in this game. He was a one technique. He was a three technique. He was a five technique with his hand in the ground and a four three type of front, four two five type of front. He was used all over the place. Jabril Peppers, another player, used all over the place. Used as a flat defender in cover three. Used as a linebacker. And he when he's clicking Jabril Peppers, he looks really good out there, man. So I really like what I saw from coverage perspective, a lot of zone coverage. We saw some cover three. We saw spot drop type zones, which we saw a lot of last week as well against the Dallas Cowboys, where the Washington football team's on offense, Giants are on defense, and they drop to a certain spot on the field, and then they read the quarterback and react to what the quarterback is doing. The quarterback's looking to the left. They'll shade their zone to the left. They'll take any route. It's not necessarily a pattern match like we saw a lot with James Betcher, but it's more simplified, and it is still aware, and they occupy their zones, and they take the man that way. We saw some switch coverages. We saw some inverted cover twos where there would be a middle-of-the-field closed pre-snap, and then it would be like Logan Ryan, say Julian Love, as the middle-of-the-field closed deep safety. He drops down, and then both of the cornerbacks or a cornerback, an outside cornerback, and an apex defender sink to the deep half. And that would be an inverted cover tube type coverage. We saw that a couple times last week. Saw it several times this week against Kyle Allen. They were able to run cover two too high to kind of prevent deep passes, which you're not really worried about against Kyle Allen and this Washington football team. But at the same time, you have no respect for what Antonio Gibson and this Washington football team can do on the ground, so you don't really need to have a safety in the box. You can put Jabril Peppers in the box as a linebacker, still have too high, take away any opportunity for them to hit big deep, and you can play cover two and still stop the run. And that's what the Giants did a lot of, and the Giants' defense was opportunistic, and they were able to capitalize on some clutch plays. I think they gave up a couple plays as well. We can go over all that in this game, but again, I come away impressed with Patrick Graham. Yeah, I mean, you you nailed it. This defense is doing a lot of 
things that normally we would consider more complex and complicated and things that you would expect to lead to more breakdowns in a secondary this young, learning a new system. But again, it seems like a broken record. I get it, but these coverage breakdowns are not happening at some kind of high frequency. And this defense is really operating right now like a defense that's played together for a lot more than six games, especially with the turnover that's gone down in that secondary, both with injuries to McKinney and stuff like that prior to the season, Baker, Beal, but also what's gone down in season. So I can only attribute that to one thing, really awesome coaching. I, you know, I haven't been this excited about a Giants coordinator in a really long time, and that's how I feel about Patrick Graham. And yet there obviously are times where, and we'll go over it, there are plays where I think that, you know, the Reds, the Washington football team found a way to basically and essentially beat what Graham had been showing. There was a play early in the game that I want to go over you, and I wanted to know if you thought it was a great design by Scott Turner or if it was just a total breakdown in coverage. It was first and 10 on the Washington 13 in the first quarter, 130, or yes, 133 left in the first quarter. And basically on this play, Washington had multiple guys open because it was like four players in Giants coverage that were nowhere. They were all near each other, nowhere near where the routes was run. And I was just curious if this was just great play calling by Scott Turner. But in the end, ultimately, there weren't too many. I don't remember one other play like that. Actually, I shouldn't say it. There were probably one to two more plays like this that were just really easy open reads for the quarterback. Um, and, and, and yeah, so go over that play with us, see what went wrong there. There were several plays like this, and now this one was one of the bigger gains from it. It was a 29-yard gain to Logan Thomas, but Scott Turner did an excellent job simplifying things for Kyle Allen. They knew that Patrick Graham ran a lot of three-deep, four-underneath defenders, so what they would do is attack that flat defender. They would attack whoever that flat defender was on this specific play. It was Jabril Pepper. So how do you attack that? You high-low him. So basically, you have a vertical route running deep to the play side to clear out that boundary cornerback to clear out that outside cornerback and then you have a running back release from the flat to kind of catch the eye of that flat defender and if that flat defender sinks and tries to cover that that running back then you throw it to the seven route or the out route that's behind him now if he bails drops to that seven route then you just dump it off to the running back which we saw several times we saw a lot of little dump offs to antonio gibson but on this specific play Jabril Peppers chips one of the releasing wide receivers, and the wide receiver actually falls down. And Logan Thomas runs a seven route or an out route. You can call it whichever you want. They are different routes, but this one's kind of angled upfield. It's a little bit flatter, actually, so I guess you can call it an out route. But the clear out's taking the cornerback, and Jabril Peppers is occupied by Antonio Gibson in the flat, so there's a huge void. This is one way you attack cover three. Another way you can attack cover three is to run spacing concepts to receivers kind of run curls about 10 yards 12 yards apart from each other both to the flat and that flat defender has to guard his own and when there's two receivers in your zone you can only guard one so quick passing game really helps kind of take advantage of that defender in those situations it's called putting a defender in conflict we talked about it on this podcast and that's happened several times on quick passing concepts in this game for Kyle Allen I thought the Washington game plan had success doing that and I thought the Giants did somewhat adjust and did kind of limit that a little bit as well but on this specific play yes this was a play where Jabril Peppers was put into a really tough spot it's not something you really fault Peppers for you kind of want him to feel out the deeper route and then rally if he does dump it off but I thought Peppers actually in general had a pretty good game here yeah and I think in general the Giants have done a good job what you said feeling out the deeper routes and rallying to the football underneath but I think what you said here is 
what stood out the most to me is that I would like to see a little bit more on the flip side on the Giants side of the ball on offense of these type of routes to beat cover three instead of the spacing routes that we see a lot of from Garrett I'd like to see more of these high low routes because this is really what Daniel Jones showed off really well during his season with Pat Shermer he had half field a lot of half field high low reads and he did a really good job with that I think this is probably the better way ultimately in my mind to beat cover three because it gives you the opportunity to get a 29 yard gain instead of just kind of hoping that you can read out the spacing right and and get a quick eight yard button hook or whatever it may be um and so I do think that, like you said, Turner did a good job of trying to counter what Patrick Graham showed with that, but I also think what you said was true, and and it goes back to what I said originally, which is just the Giants did a good job of adjusting to that. That seems to be the case in a lot of these games. They do a really good job of adjusting to what the offense is showing early. Absolutely, and there are a lot of ways you can kind of defeat cover three, and it's a give and take like most things in football. You could run hitch seams and stuff like that, try to occupy that that outside cornerback just a little bit to try to slip an outside seam past him and then that puts the middle of the field safety into a position where he has to cover two seam routes you can run that mirrored on each side there's a lot of different route combinations that could take advantage of a cover three defense I actually did a piece when I was writing for inside the pylon on how to attack cover three and I have a bunch of different route concepts you can if you look up inside the pylon cover three it'll probably be the first thing that maybe we should find a way to get you to send that to Jason Garrett (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, I'm I think only, it's a protection thing, I'm too. I'm only half-joking here. I mean, this guy has one way to beat – this guy basically uses one way to try to beat cover three. I mean, let's be I, honest. I, I think he uses other ways that are just not as successful, which is very, very frustrating. He doesn't use them that often. Yeah, maybe he could use them a little bit more a often. A lot more often, yes. Yeah, especially uh, in certain situations. Because we don't really truly know if the protection is the main issue because he doesn't really do it that often. But anyway, I'm mostly joking but I would like to see a little more creativity against cover three from the Giants offense for sure. But ultimately, that's not the point of this. We're on the defense right now. So I want to go over a couple other things that I like from the defense, some plays, and then I want you to go over some plays you liked. I'm going to start with a play that I saw early on. It's first and 10 from the Giants, 32-yard line, uh, 10:40 left in the first quarter. And I just thought this was such a great read and tackle by Jabril Peppers here. I really felt like this is what you hope for out of Peppers when he's on the field. This is the reason you have a guy like this because he's, he gives you a little bit of that landing Collins feel when he's in the box. And like you said, he played a lot of linebacker. He played a lot of second level in this game. And guess what? He's going to have to play a lot more because Tate Crowder played almost every defensive snap. And now Tate Crowder is on injured reserve. Which and that's sucks. so disappointing because there's a rep by Tate Crowder that I also have written in my notes that was so fun to watch. And Tate Crowder was starting to come on this is really just such a disappointing development for the Giants defense and for Tate Crowder's career specifically but I want to go I want you to go break down this play by Peppers because I really thought it was a great read and a great finish by him yeah Peppers did excellent as a player in the box which Patrick Graham put him there often and which was interesting because David Mayo was back and David Mayo did play snaps in this game but not nearly as much and yeah he's coming back from an injury has to be ingratiated back into the defense but he ends up playing 11 snaps and Jabril Peppers lines up in the box a lot and on this specific play this was a zone read with Logan Thomas and Antonio Gibson I believe it might have been a wide receiver I can't see the number right now but Logan Thomas is playing quarterback in this position and for those of you guys who do not know Logan Thomas is a tight end right now but he was a quarterback in college at Virginia Tech he came into the NFL was with Buffalo a little bit was with Arizona and they kind of converted him to a tight end and now he's at like 29 years old now he's just a full-fledged tight end but they try to get tricky here and they run this zone read and Jabril Peppers the amount of strength that he needs to tackle six foot six 265 pound Logan Thomas at the mesh point here, it's incredible because because Jabril Peppers waits, puts his eyes on the mesh point, waits to see who has the ball, puts himself in a position to make two tackles, and then once he sees it's Logan Thomas that keeps the ball 
and Logan Thomas tries to run in between Kyler Fackrell and Jabril Peppers, Jabril Peppers is able to jump back and get a hold of his hips and just swing him down to the ground. That is a sure tackle, an aggressive play, a very athletic play from Jabril Peppers, who had several of them in this game, especially as a flat defender and also as a linebacker and even as a safety when he would come down through the B-gap and make his typical just sticks, filling the gaps, filling his run fit, and making very good aggressive tackles. So this was one of the plays where I this was one of the games, I should say, where I look at Jabril and I'm like, okay, that's that's the Jabril Peppers we need to see more often. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Remember, don't anyone forget Jabril Peppers, five-star recruit from New Jersey, actually saw him play a high school football game once, and it was one of the most dominant performances I've ever seen on a high school football field <laughs> in my life. That sounds like a burbly, but it's not because, again, I haven't seen too many high school football games outside of the West Orange High School football team. Shout out Robin Gold, our right tackle and punter. Yeah, you heard that right. A 265 pound friend of mine played right tackle and punted the football for us so that was fun to watch was but, that like 25 years ago <laughs> yeah at this point um but Jabril Peppers man he opened he opened that game up and returned the kickoff for a touchdown and then just completely dominated but again remember he's five-star player and a five-star recruit to Michigan and also one of the best athletes to come out of that class so from an athletic standpoint there's still so much untapped upside there and I really liked what I saw from Peppers here in a more expanded role absolutely and one play first and 10 first drive first quarter obviously 11 23 left in that first quarter Jabril Peppers is the apex defender Giants come out and they're going to run their cover three they have the middle of the field closed this is like a switch type coverage you can also say it's just really excellently communicated coverage from ryan lewis and jabril peppers kyle allen throws it out of bounds targeting terry mclaurin on this play because jabril peppers flies to the flat to undercut the deep comeback route and kyle allen purposely just threw it out of bounds because if he didn't jabril peppers was going to intercept this but it was communication between lewis and peppers when you watch it because the number two receiver because it was a it was two receivers to the the field, and the number two receiver runs a vertical route, so basically a slot vert with a deep comeback from the number one receiver. Ryan Lewis comes off of his coverage and squeezes down on the outside part of that seam route with the middle of the field safety being Logan Ryan to also kind of help that. So they totally eliminate that that route from the number two position, which Kyle Allen looks at the number one, sees the break, sees Ryan Lewis coming off of his route, Thinks he has somebody, and then at the last second, Jabril Peppers is able to just undercut this play from the hash, essentially, just outside the hash. That's a long way to cover, and Kyle Allen just throws it way out of bounds because Jabril Peppers would have intercepted. That's a very athletic, very agile play, and I love seeing that from Peppers because he's able to do that on the back end. He's able to do it from the box. He's able to do it as an apex defender. He's a very versatile player. Reminds me of a second-level defender like Leonard Williams is a first-level defender, because Leonard Williams is a player, like I said before, who has been lining up everywhere, and like I said, Patrick Graham, being weak at the edge position, put Leonard Williams several times on the edge. 2-4-5 type defense, Leonard Williams playing linebacker and rushing off the edge against these tackles. He has that kind of versatility to not be a total liability in those types of affairs. So those are two really versatile players, and Patrick Graham's using them in a lot of different ways. Yeah, no doubt about it. I love that you brought up that point about how he's using not only Jabril Peppers, but Leonard Williams, who we might get to a little bit later. But Peppers, remember, 2015, uh, I'm sorry, in the 2017 combine, at 215 pounds, he ran a 4.46.40. And he just had freakish jumps. And he's an absolute freak from an athletic standpoint. If he's fully healthy, he can 
how he can help this specific style of defense with Patrick Graham wearing all those hats you know things like you just said that coverage they executed there's so next level stuff with peppers running to that to, to take that deep comeback away and the defender who looked like he was on McLaurin or whoever that was on that on that boundary coming off to take the, to take the deep post there and just completely confusing Kyle Allen to the point where he had to just chuck it over the head and out of bounds he had no option there and that you see a lot of I think in Patrick Graham's defense I want to talk about another play that stood out to me it's first and 10 at the Washington 30 with 609 remaining in the second quarter of this game and I just thought it goes back to a lot of what we discussed in the last podcast how Patrick Graham feels comfortable using his linemen to two gap and that's what he has and that makes it so much harder it seems theoretically it would make it harder to stop the run right the center doesn't have anyone lined up over him but you just see a play here where Crowder crashes down reads reacts diagnoses and makes a play where this hole is open this should be a 10-yard gain really here from Antonio Gibson but Crowder turns this into a three-yard gain it's the type of stuff that you saw from Crowder as he got a more expanded role in this game he's starting to get his feet wet in this defense and he's starting to play with a lot more confidence unfortunately like we said he's going to hit injured reserve that really sucks but future-wise I see something I really and you can tell you had other plays with Crowder that I want you to go into as well even if you want to just ra- just break them down for us just just to show you know that this is not just a one play thing we're not cherry picking here with Crowder he had a really good game absolutely not and I know it's pretty popular to say yeah Crowder had an excellent game he had a scoop and score but and as a Amazing as that play was, there were several fills. There were several times where he scraped over the top of Dalvin Tomlinson, who was holding two guys back, whether they were one-gapping or two-gapping, and just filled his hole very aggressively. But there were actually a couple times, too, to be fair, that he was trying to cut off the angle of Antonio Gibson to the edge, and he didn't have the athletic ability to do it, which I did see, I think, twice. I think he, I think according to Pro Football Focus, he also had a couple missed tackles. I don't usually go by that. I usually watch the film and then see what Pro Football Focus has to say, but I did notice that he had a couple missed tackles. There was one with 5.30 left in the fourth quarter where he struggled to kind of get the edge, and the athletic ability just was outshined by a superior athlete, which happens, but on the whole, Crowder, I feel like, was a great addition for this team. He had a really nice play. In the fourth quarter, 14.56 left. Another one, 12.52 left. Both first and 10 plays where he just held up the point of attack, made his play. The first one I mentioned, he filled quickly and just made a really nice tackle. The second one, he kind of made a nice play off the edge. So it's it sucks, man. It kind of reminds me of Ryan Connolly a little bit where this rookie, small sample size, came in, had success. Let's hope Dick Crowder's still on the roster next year, but... I um I think the Giants may end up missing him, and I'm I'm curious to see how they replace him. I don't know if this is just going to result in more David Mayo. I think it will be determined on the team they're facing, how aggressive their rushing attack, how good their offensive line is, and I do feel like we're going to see a lot more Jabril Peppers in the box. Yeah, you, there's no doubt about it, and I don't want to uh, speculate because we don't know how long-term this injury will be. It might be the short-term IR. Honey might be back at a certain point. I believe it's nothing. I, I, don't, I don't have the insight on that right now, but again— interesting development there but before we continue let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors even though sports had a break your business didn't you have to keep moving and that makes hiring more important than ever indeed is here to help indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because indeed gets you the best people fast Unlike other sites indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring you only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, 
Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates you will see fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire, all one word. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire, all one word. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. I don't know about you guys or gals, I love to sit there and drink some Pepsi when I watch the New York Giants possibly win a football game. It's all great. If you got yard work to do, ah, oh, quenches your thirst. Amazing stuff. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watchers. I want to talk to you about a few other plays that stood out to you in this game. Some really good individual defensive plays that caught our attention. Like the fourth and four play where Blake Martinez shoves Leonard Williams towards Kyle Allen to try to get a sack? Yeah, I think if you guys are looking for the funniest thing you'll see on All-22, go check out fourth and four at the New York Giants 40 with 111 left in the second quarter after the Giants had the penalty and the punt that led to the Redskins or the Washington football team, I'm sorry, going for it on fourth and four, converting, eventually scoring a touchdown in this drive. But it's really funny if you look at it from the all-22 angle, you have Blake Martinez trying to essentially assist Leonard Williams, get off his block and go rush the passer. He comes up from behind him and pushes him, hoping he'll kind of fall into Kyle Allen's legs as he's kind of trying to escape the pocket at that point Allen's moving and he really almost gets the assists here Leonard Williams is really close to wrapping up unfortunately Kyle Allen rolls out and then eventually hits his receiver downfield to extend the drive yeah James Bradbury was put in a conflict on this play he was the outside cornerback to the side where Kyle Allen rolled towards and they ran a deep concept to that side so James Bradbury's you know covering the guy deep but then there was a quick out route to which was wide open, by the way. To, to, to well, it was a drag from the opposite side for Terry McLaurin. So really good on James Bradbury to kind of recognize the route combinations, sit in the zone, and just totally eliminate Terry McLaurin. True. The only issue was Jabril Peppers dropped too deep of a depth from a safety position, probably because another route that went up the field, it kind of carried him a little bit. And then Logan Ryan didn't get to... Dontrell Inman, who ends up just running away from the zone coverage, and basically Bradbury gets high load in that situation. Good play designed by the Washington football team. <laughs> yeah, Blake Martinez just shoves Leonard Williams, and it was interesting, dude, in this game to see Patrick Graham using Leonard Williams on the edge, using Blake Martinez on the edge. You saw 54 out there on the edge. I'm like, that's not 51, that's 54. Well, what are they doing? And then they would put 51 in some weird spots, stunt them in some creative ways. The, the strip fumble for a touchdown was a was a play where Blake Martinez and Leonard Williams stunt and it was a really cool play because I, I paid attention to number 71 who's that guard and how he handled a lot of the three techniques and what he would do is he would try to basically get the guy to his outside shoulder and just kind of 
walk him up and out of the arc to kind of form the pocket. And he did that several times, especially when the, obviously when the defender kind of attacked that outside shoulder or tried to go straight. But that was his go-to move. And on the play that was a sack fumble for a touchdown, they, the, the same thing happened. Leonard Williams went up that way and the guard took him opened up outside, which allowed Blake Martinez to come in and around, and then Kyler Fackrell ends up coming from the other side and getting that fumble to, to strip uh, Kyle Allen and force Tay Crowder to kind of scoop it up and score on that play. But it seemed like that was some maybe an adjustment by Patrick Rand to be like, okay, we're going to run this stunt to this side because the guard keeps reacting this way when you do this. That's going to create a nice pick, and it's going to disrupt the pocket for Blake Martinez, who's also blitzing off the edge there. And yeah. Kyler Fackrell from the other side is the beneficiary. More interesting stuff from Patrick Graham. I mean, you watch that breakdown of that play, and you'll see a lot of what we see with this coordinator. He's really doing an excellent job coaching this football team in, honestly, time you know where he's probably had the, in his coaching career the least time to actually work on his fundamentals and his system given you know the COVID offseason. So really excellent stuff there. On a greater level, though, on a more 30,000-foot view, Nick, something that is not excellent from this Giants defense is – what they've tended to allow in two-minute situations towards the end of halves or games. Um, They've allowed an incredible amount of touchdown drives on these late half or late game possessions. They allowed a touchdown from the Washington football team after that fourth and four conversion towards the end of the half, towards the end of the second quarter. And then finally, obviously, they allowed the Washington football team to go right down the field after the scoop and score and drive all the way into scoring position and then convert with a touchdown before they missed the two-point conversion. So do you think it's more of a lar- more of a sign of a larger problem that the Giants keep giving up these touchdown drives towards the ends of halves and games, or is it more situational-based? I think it's more situational-based, and I want to touch on a little mistake I made before. It was Kyler Fackrell and Blake Martinez on the stunt. Leonard Williams was the zero tech on that play, but it was still a well-designed play that I feel like was an adjustment made by Patrick Graham. Anyways, I I don't think it's necessarily a huge problem. I think this defense is pretty competent. I think they have very good players on this defense who play well with each other, especially in zones. I just think there's a lot of dinking and dunking down the field. A lot of, hey, six-yard gain here, eight-yard gain here. And the Giants' defense kind of plays to to rally to the football a lot of the times when they're in zone coverage. And sometimes they just get beaten. Man, that touchdown with Logan Ryan, he was beat on a double move by Cam Sims. That was a really nice double move. They came out lined up in a bunch. Logan Ryan covered it well, but it seemed like Cam Sims was going outside. So Logan Ryan flattened his path out just enough when Cam Sims went vertical, he couldn't stay in phase. And it was a really nice pass by Kyle Allen. Both those touchdown passes were nice passes by Kyle Allen. And then the other one was a touchdown in man coverage. Julian Love, who is 5'10 on a good day, gets matched up with 6'6 Logan Thomas. And it was a very nice placed ball. But in terms of the drives, it just seems like there are a lot of dink and dunks. And another thing I'll mention is there's sometimes penalties that result in these drives. Giants have to be a little bit more disciplined, which is kind of weird because we expect this team to be incredibly disciplined. And they haven't necessarily shot themselves in the foot all season with penalties. They're not an incredibly undisciplined team. But on some of these plays, you know, they'll be uh, running into the kicker. There'll be a defensive holding. There'll be an offsides or something like that that's just kind of frustrating. But I don't think it's a huge issue with the team as a whole. It's not happening super consistently, but it did happen in this game twice in two high leverage situations. Yeah, something to keep an eye on. I kind of agree with you. My take from this would be that it's more situational based than anything else. But I think ultimately, 
as they continue to build out this defensive roster moving forward remember they've had three straight top six picks and used them all on offense and then if you go back to 2018 they used the second round pick on offense so there are a lot of reason there is a lot of reason to believe that there's going to be a massive influx of talent coming on this defense over the next two off seasons and really just even more immediately over this next off season and as Graham builds these this defense out with more talent the way he envisions it I think you'll see even in these situations where you know a better rally to the football stops up these drives and it's not happening now as often and it will happen more often when they get more talent on this defense but I want to talk about a player who we mentioned at the beginning who may end up being a little bit of a gem of a find because every time we start to watch the film on him you know you get the idea of oh it's just another guy maybe he's just getting lucky right now maybe he's that he's okay player right now but he continues to be more than that he continues to put good tape on film good reps on film and to the point where you have to question is he a building block or is he at least trending toward that and that's ryan lewis the cornerback they claimed off of the practice squad of the washington football team and who's been with graham before in miami and who continues to now play essentially this cornerback two role from a snap standpoint he's playing the most snaps so my question for you would be that is he something more than just a one-year filler in this defense hopefully he's going to be more than just a one-year fuller i mean i'm sure they're going to look to upgrade but as of right now he's playing well i mean he has a somewhat of a small sample size and a lot of people they'll point to the the first and 10 second quarter with about 42 seconds left kyle allen sees terry mclaurin on this play it could have been a touchdown but the giants on this play are running too high they're running too high zone on this play and if you watch ryan lewis He's watching Kyle Allen. He's seeing what Kyle Allen does, and he's aware of the fact that there are slants coming from the opposite side, and he's going to have to kind of cover from the numbers to the sideline, that entire zone, because Logan Ryan had to take the deep seam. So there should be a trade-off between Julian Love and Ryan Lewis on this play, and that wasn't as clean, because Julian Love kind of also gets sucked in with Cam Sim's seam route on this play. But Ryan Lewis, now he doesn't sink until... Kyle Allen starts to rear back but once Kyle Allen cocks that arm back he sprints and just gets his finger on this ball now his responsibility isn't deep on this play his responsibility is that flat that would be Julian Love's responsibility yeah but he's covering for Julian Love who is occupied by Allen's eyes Allen does a great job manipulating the safety here watching Cam Sims go up the seam to kind of keep that safety in place and then finding McLaurin to the sideline it's just Ryan Lewis made a really athletic play to jump up get his fingers on this and not allow the ball to be completed yeah just an excellent rep from Lewis really like you said it showed a lot of uh, recovery speed and showed a lot of athleticism to get his hand on this pass and on the flip side obviously you'd love to see Love a little more aware I think as you watch more of Love in this role that Graham has the safety role that he was kind of forced into with Colbert out for this game you kind of see why he was ultimately not while he's ultimately not playing as many snaps as we thought he might this season in that role and I still think ultimately there might be another fit for him somewhere else on this defense I don't know if this is the best role for love time will tell um but yeah I think mostly what you're seeing here on this rep and then overall is good stuff from from Lewis it's also good scheming by the Washington football team because and Kyle Allen too he does a good job eyeing down that seam route having to force julian loved to make a choice and to not just abandon that seam granted logan ryan was playing underneath that seam as well because he had to sink which basically forced ryan lewis to really be cognizant of those backside routes but again just a really good play by lewis no doubt about it all right nick anything else on the defensive side of the ball you want to touch on players specific plays schemes play calls anything that stood out to you 
I just think in general, I mean, Bradbury with that interception, again, just eyeing down the quarterback, sinking underneath this route and being just an absolute stud. He almost had another interception yeah. in this game, which would have been incredibly acrobatic and athletic. Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, we, we Dalvin Thomas, we, we talk about them all the time, but you just can't say enough about them. There's the one play I put up on Twitter where Dexter Lawrence, it was a wham block, which is basically a backside player pulling to an unblocked interior defensive lineman and trapping him. So the backside player, I think it's the guard, pulls to wham block Dexter Lawrence. Dexter Lawrence basically just catches the wham block and just pushes him into the center to totally constrict the rushing lane for Antonio Gibson. I mean, those three guys are incredibly valuable to this defense, and that can't be overstated. And then there's B.J. Hill. To me, B.J. Hill's a much different type of player than these guys. B.J. Hill, when in his reps, I think he had 27 snaps, if I'm not mistaken, in this game. He makes a lot of them. He makes the most of these snaps. He really does. His hands are very active. His upfield pressure, what he's able to do to shoot gaps, get to the half man and use leverage and use his flexibility, his lower body flexibility to kind of contort his body and put himself into a position to make plays. It's it's very, very good for somebody who's over 300 pounds. If he was on a different defense, he... <laughs> He, he could be a, a much more recognized name, I guess, around the NFL, but the Giants are gluttons for the defensive line position, which is something that is is a positive when you do have them. Obviously, you don't want to be pouring a ton of assets into that position like we've talked about plenty in this game. But And then we saw uh, Cam Brown in this game. I think he was excellent on special teams, Who um, definitely somebody who puts himself into a lot of positions to have a lot of success on special teams. He plays the outside guy on the kickoff, and he uh, that doesn't mean he has outside contain because they usually loop in about 20 yards down the field, but he's somebody who's always finding his way on punt returns and kickoffs and on field goal block to try and attempt to block a field goal. I hope he gets one with those incredibly <laughs> long arms that he does possess. And then um, I think Kyler Fackrell continues to just be a very high-energy kind of player a player who's pretty good against the run, a player who can drop into coverage, and just an overall solid player for this defense. I'm still wondering on why Darnay Holmes didn't see as many snaps as we expected. I wonder if he had an injury that we might not know about or something like that, but the Giants' defense, again, a lot of wrinkles, and they were able to put together a game plan to stop an offense that's a little uninspiring, but hey, you got to play who you're going to play. Yeah, no doubt. I think it's interesting when you look at the snap counts in this game because you just see... A coordinator who's not afraid to not trot out the same guys for the same amount of snaps every single week. This game, Darnay Holmes didn't play as often. This game, Cam Brown finally got into the field a little bit. This game, Marcus Golden played a few more snaps. BJ Hill played a few more snaps. Carter Coughlin even got a few snaps on defense. Even Nate Ebner was back out there. We don't like to see that one, but he <laughs> was. And then you have guys who are just becoming stalwarts on this defense. Like you said, Kyler Fackrell, really solid player. Against the run is where I like him the most, Fackrell. But I think he does all three phases really well. And I think you see why he's on the field for all 73 snaps when you watch him on film. And that goes for a lot of guys who are playing really full-time roles for this defense now. Peppers, Ryan played a full-time role in this game. Ryan Lewis on the field for every snap. These are all guys who are on the field every snap, and obviously James Bradbury. So they're kind of finding their groove now on defense, and they're mixing and matching a little bit, really mostly in the secondary, but they're finding their groove. It sucks because Crowder played 61 of the or 62 of the 73 defensive snaps. They're going to have to figure out what to do about that because, again, while I do agree they'll probably use more of Peppers in the box, they were doing that anyway. Those guys were on the field together for 62 of the 73 snaps anyway um, in this game. So we'll have to see what happens there, but I'm definitely intrigued by kind of the mix and match style on the defense. 
Definitely. And against the Eagles, they just lost Miles Sanders. Their offensive line is pretty beat up at the moment. I'm wondering if we're going to see more Peppers, less David Mayo, to maybe more lighter boxes and kind of go with more speed against that Eagles passing attack that just lost Zach Ertz as well. Dallas Goddard, I'm not sure if he's going to be activated off IR for this game, but I think he is eligible to be activated off IR. And then you have Travis Fulgham, who's coming into his own. I don't, and it's still up in the air if Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson will play in this game too, so it's a little bit unknown, but I um, kind of hope we don't see as much David Mayo. He, I, he In a little bit that we saw of him, he didn't look all that explosive. I hate when David Mayo is on the field, man. I, I, I don't want him ever on this defense. I know they re-signed him for whatever reason. I guess special teams that people always point to. Um, there's plenty of guys that can play special teams, though, Carter and Coughlin and Cam Brown being among them, uh, so I don't like it. But at least now in the situation with, with both, you know, um, Crowder Hurd and Devontae Downs a disaster, at least there might be something there. But I'm with you. As far as the matchup goes against the Eagles, I actually put a heavy, heavy, hefty sum on the under in this game. I don't think there's going to be much offense at all in this game. I think the Giants defense is going to have a really good matchup. The Eagles are incredibly beat up. Luckily for them, they located a former rugby player to play left tackle, and he's playing somehow. Legitimately right now, I can say, and don't you dare read this or interpret this any other way than what i'm saying <laughs> through the first six games he's played better football than andrew thomas straight up 100 percent, he's been a better tackle than andrew jordan maliot jordan maliot the guy who they just brought over from rugby background learning the position on the fly and somehow he's athletic enough to make it work and it looks a lot better than andrew thomas for what it's worth so let's hope that turns around but the point is even besides him, they're so banged up on the line. I mean, Lane Johnson, unlikely to play this game, might make it back, but he's not healthy whatsoever. Their interior line has been decimated by injuries. The receiver position, they're expecting to get Deshaun back for this game, potentially. Jeffrey, less likely. Fulgham is the guy who's kind of come on for But I think that Bradbury can completely take him out of this game when he's on his side and when Bradbury's covering him. And I think, in general, the Giants' zone defense is going to be re- zone-heavy defense is going to be really, really difficult for Carson Wentz when he does doesn't have Zach Ertz on the field. I don't think from what I'm reading, Goddard's going to be on the field either. I think they're going to have a really, I think, I forgot the name of the, the guy. They have some guy now playing tight end for them that they've called up from their practice squad that I've literally never heard of or scouted. He's their number two. Their one is old Richard Rogers from Green Bay, who's a total jag out there. And then they have another guy behind him. This is a great matchup for any defense. It's a great matchup for the Giants team. It doesn't matter who's playing the Eagles right now. They do not. And yet they found a way to move the ball a little bit against the Ravens defense late. So should be wary of that for sure. I think some of that was just the mental side of it with the Ravens kind of up by a multiple scores and kind of not checking out, but not playing with the same intensity. Um, so I think this could be a really good spot for the Giants defense. I really do. And Leonard Williams in this one game, too, against Washington had seven pressures. We didn't mention that. I know I brought him up before, but he's he's another one uh, just like on the line of scrimmage who's definitely showing his worth. The and- Giants should be able to win this battle on the line of scrimmage against this completely injured Eagles front, especially when they're going to have to be trotting Boston Scott and Corey Clement out there in the run game, guys who they just are okay in the passing game for sure, but not really those between the tackles runners or the guys that can establish any kind of consistency I would say in the run game so I really think the Giants should win that trench battle I really do as do I I just uh we saw what Doug Peterson did last year 
against the Giants, you know? Just short passing game, quick screens, mm-hmm. and the Giants defense never adjusted to it. It was so good. That was better, though. And I know, that, I know. I think that this is a defense, and that's so funny. You brought that up. That's a great point. They That that was an un- that was the worst game plan. That was the worst coaching oh, I've so seen from Betcher in his entire career with the Giants. It was so ridiculous. They just did the same thing every time with those screens and short, quick game, and it's like the Giants had never seen it before. But I don't think Graham's going to be taken by surprise by that. I really hope not. It doesn't. Nothing on the film so far has suggested that he would. Yeah, I feel great about that. All right, Nick. Anything else on this defense before we wrap up? No, I'm just excited for some Thursday night football. Short week, and then uh, we'll know the outcome of the Giants and Eagles, and then we can go into Sunday with that. It would be crazy if if the Giants did end up winning this football game, which I don't necessarily envision by any means. It's possible because the Eagles aren't any good. The yeah. Giants would be two and five and well within playoff range. That is gross. Yeah, it, it's gross, but it's reality. And so if they win this game, you know, here's the deal. It will be great for this young roster and for Daniel Jones in year two to get to the playoffs, no matter what the record is. If it's 7-9, and nine, it doesn't matter. To be in that playoff game at Giant Stadium, all, all everything will be forgotten. The record, their 0-5 start, all that. No one will care about that. That's never part of the narrative. It wasn't part of the narrative when the Seattle Seahawks played the New, the heavy favored New Orleans Saints, who were 11 and 5, I believe, that year in Seattle at 7 and 9, and whooped up on the Saints to win that game. No one cared before the game, leading up to the game, and no one cared after the game what the Seattle Seahawks regular season record was. So, if the Giants can fight into that position. That's great. I will say this. If the Giants do lose this game, I'm officially turning the page to 2021. I've made that decision in my head. This is it. I'm giving them one final chance, and, and that's it. They can't go to 1-6 and six with two division losses and expect to win the division in my Especially mind. Especially in this gross dis- division. Yeah. No, no, but I'm just saying if they have two division losses already and at 1-6, and six, yeah. it, it, the tiebreakers, all that in mind, I just don't see it. But, again, they, they have a good chance. I, they're six-point underdogs in this game, but I think they have a chance to win this game without a doubt because the Eagles are not a good football team. The Eagles are no doubt banged up, injured like crazy on the offensive side of the ball, and they're simply not that good of a football team. I mean, the Giants have competed against the likes of the Rams, the Steelers, the Bears. These are all teams with winning records right now. One's undefeated. The Bears have just one loss. I know people consider it a gross 5-1. and one. May that may that be true. They have wins over the Bucks, who are one of the better teams, and they have wins, you know, and they beat the Panthers, who are a solid team. And even the Cowboys, a game where they could have easily won that game as well. So the Giants have been a competitive team, so I definitely don't see this one getting too far out of hand. Um, it's going to come down to that that Giants offensive line trying to block those, yeah. those boys. Ultimately, <laughs> if they lose this game, and I do think the Eagles, unfortunately, if I had to predict, will win this game, it's because the Giants offensive line is going to get completely overmatched and dominated by the Eagles. And Jason Garrett, unfortunately, in my mind, will have a similar game plan. And when you're getting beat up in the run game like that, and the Eagles are just going to rally to the short underneath stuff. It, I just don't see that game plan working. And I know the other counter argument is, well, what are you going to do if you can't protect? But I, I, I just don't know if I totally buy into that. I think there are ways to get the ball out quick downfield. I mean, even the, the play you talked about to beat the cover three, Kyle Allen's is not holding that football for too long, and it's a 29-yard gain. I mean, it's he quickly diagnoses that read downfield, and he hits it. I think some of the stuff downfield is predicated off the route combinations and what kind of position you put that safety in and how quickly the quarterback can read that and get the ball into that space. Um, so ultimately, that's why I believe giving Jones more reps like that and more of those concepts, like the Austin Mack one we talked about in the game and others that he has tried at times, is more important and better for Jones long term. And I hope Garrett can adjust in that way. But 
ultimately, like you said, it's true. I mean, if they can't win that battle line of scrimmage, it's going to be ugly on offense. So we'll see what happens there. But thank you for tuning in again, the Big Banter Podcast. This week, we won't have a preview episode like we had last week. Um, when we had former Washington cornerback uh, Fred Smoot on the podcast. That was a fun one. I hope you guys enjoyed that. We got some great feedback from that. But obviously the Thursday game, short week, that won't happen. But we will be back on Thursday night to recap this game. Just be aware it's going to be a late podcast. I'm working that night as the only editor on at CBS, so I'm wrapping up the game and I'm wrapping up all our coverage. So we'll be recording that super late. So it probably won't drop till very late. But if you want to listen late or in the morning, in the a.m., be aware that will drop Thursday late night, Friday a.m. technically. Um, and then also give us a follow. Give us a shout-out on Twitter, on Instagram at NYBigBlueBanter. You can obviously follow us and download our podcast and subscribe to us on iTunes where you can give us a rating and review. It's all we'll ever ask from you. And as usual, give us some feedback. We've heard from some you wanted us to bring back the Q&As, podcasts where we do Q&As with answering Twitter questions. We're going to do something like that. I have something interesting in mind in that regard, so stay on the lookout for that. But otherwise, we'll speak to you soon, and go Giants. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.